In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. gentlemen welcome back to the true life podcast i hope everybody's having a beautiful day it's such a wonderful time to be alive to get to speak to people today that are creating fascinating ideas and and promoting so much for the future and i have a tremendous show for you with an incredible guest the one and only rachel fox feather a luminary in the realm of holistic healing and spiritual well-being As a primary guide, certified psilocybin guide, and sound therapist, Rachel's journey is one of transformative resonance. She also serves as a certified sound meditation facilitator, weaving harmonious frequencies into the tapestry of the soul. Her practice is a testament to the power of resonant energy medicine, a profound exploration of the healing melodies that traverse the pathways of existence. With Rachel, a voyage of mind and spirit awaits where the vibrations of sound and ancient wisdom converge to guide, heal, and awaken. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, George. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for that. I, uh, I've i been thinking about our conversation for quite some time. and We had a short conversation when we spoke with the team at Moksha Journeys, and we spoke a little bit about sound therapy. And I was just hopeful that perhaps you could give, for those who may not have been able to check in on that one, perhaps you could give a little bit of a background and what, what sound therapy is and, and how it's different than regular sound we hear every day. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to explain that. Um, I think to start, it's important to understand that um, the, the basis of this modality is on the, the fact that Um, Everything in this universe and existence is based off of a vibration. So if you look at like atoms, right, which make up all of matter, there's, um, there are particles that are spinning around the atoms, right? That is, that uh, rotation is an oscillation. It's a vibration. In fact, if you were to um, take that oscillation and you were to like flatten it out and stretch it out, what you would see is the shape of a waveform. It'd be like this. 
So in essence, everything is vibration. Everything is sound. So the way that um, sound therapy works is that we take um, known healing frequencies, healing sounds, and we introduce these vibrations to the human biofield and the human body. And naturally, the, hum the, the body has this intrinsic um, ability to want to heal itself. So it's going to want to resonate with those healthy frequencies. So it can bring anything that's um, uh, dissonant within us, which could be considered a source of disease or um, discomfort, um, different psychological, mental conditions, and all kinds of things. You know, we have this opportunity to resonate with the healing frequency, which is what our bodies naturally would want to do. Um, so uh, I work with a, there's a lot of different kinds of healing frequencies out there. Um, I work primarily with what's called the planetary frequencies. Um, this, uh, the planetary frequencies are, they're very, very ancient. Um, they are first um, recorded and spoken of in the Vedas, which are ancient texts um, in Sanskrit, very, very old. And uh, this um, wisdom of the planetary frequency specifically was reintroduced to the, the modern Western mind by a man named Hans Cousteau. Um, I think it was back in the 50s. And uh, he was a Swiss mathematician and a musicologist. And um, he essentially came across this information and once again, reinterpreted it in his book called The Cosmic Octave. So what it all can boil down to in this book, it's a very heady read. It's very interesting. Um, uh, is that if you, there's like a formula it's a, a process of like octavation, which if you're a musician, you would understand what that means, <laughs> octavization. And um, this uh, concept, you can take the cycle of any planet, say the earth moving around the sun or Mars or Venus, or there's all these different cycles of the moon. There's a, you know, th there's a cycle of the, the tilt of the, of the earth, you know, moving in a procession. And um, all of these things, you can basically plug it into this equation. And what you will come out with is a, a number that can be like a hertz frequency within the audible range of human hearing. So a lot of research has been done on these planetary frequencies, and they turn out to have very like consistent and um, uh, measurable effects on the physical human body, like specific organs, um, it'll affect the emotional body in certain ways. And these, these can be repeated time and time and time again. And um, so that's what I work with in my practice. And um, I, I love it so much because I feel like it's this beautiful weaving of the, the ancient wisdom traditions of spirituality, um, connection with the universe and the cosmos and of science. Um, it's beautiful coalescing of all of those things. It's fascinating to me on so many levels. And I, it, it seems to me that sound may be one of the primary bridges that on one side you can stand in front of science and then you can cross over and stand next to spirituality and you can measure it. Like a lot of the times what science and spirituality battle about is this inability to measure things. When you're breaking down things into waves and you're talking cross-generational, like it's really profound to me to, to think about the resonance or the music, like you had mentioned, the music of the spheres where 
the space between the planets gave rise to harmonies and influence. It's so you and you know what I think maybe we should introduce the instrument that you use that you have been using and that you are one of only a few people that have. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Sure, um, I'd be happy to. Um, I play an instrument called a kotamo. Um, the it's an instrument that was um, first developed in Europe uh, for the purpose of sound therapy. And um, it's um, it's an unusual instrument. It's relatively new. Um, I have met very, very few people who have heard of them. Um, I have met a couple other people that play them. But the, what makes my instrument different is that um, um, mine is like a concert quality. It's a very, very large. It's over five feet long, has 56 strings. It's double-sided. Um, a lot of the Kotomos that are out there and very readily available, they're a lot smaller. So they're easier to make when they're much smaller like that. It's also a lot more portable <laughs> in, in that kind of a way. Um, but um, my instrument was created by a master luthier. Um, so he's a man who makes string instruments. He started off making violins. Um, and eventually he entered the realm of sound therapy growing up in Germany. Uh, as like one of the OGs, I guess you could say, in the European sound therapy world. And um, he's one of, I believe, there's like three people who are have the skill to be able to build these like concert quality kotomos. Uh, and so um, he is the um, only person in the United States um, and in North America that has, is building these quality of instruments. Um, the other two instrument makers are living in Europe still. And um, I, I, this is also the person that I studied sound therapy with. Um, he worked a lot with uh, paraplegics and people with severe head injuries and these kinds of things. Um, and uh, his school is called Heaven of Sound, and it's uh, based in Sandpoint, Idaho. Um, really, really wonderful in-depth program. Um, really approaching it from the from the aspect of like science and um, like just a clinical medical treatment, um, which is something I really really appreciated about that program very much. Um, so <laughs> anyway, uh, the Kotomo is fifty six strings, and as I said, it's double sided, so it's like a long rectangular shaped instrument. Every time that I take it somewhere um, to to play, whether for a sound meditation or for a private session. I have to rebuild it each time. So I have to take it out of the case and I have to put legs on it and I have to retune it. And it could be, it could be a whole process that can take 30 minutes sometimes um, just to get it put together. And uh, one side of the instrument, um, so it's a combination of three string instruments that are all um, combined together as one. So there are different ways that you can play it so that you're basically essentially playing all these different string instruments simultaneously and it creates this really amazing um ocean i would say like this beautiful ocean of vibration and sound that is extremely soothing and peaceful very meditative um, one side of the instrument is a monochord and this is an instrument that um, comes out of the mediterranean uh, essentially um uh, nearly all of the strings are tuned to the same note. Um, so there's actually only two notes. 
and uh, that I keep my instrument um, tuned to, and they're all tuned to the different planetary frequencies. So um, it would say be like a C sharp and a G sharp. And there's a two octaves of the C sharp and then one octave of the G. So you it's, it's very simple. It's a very, very simple kind of an instrument. Um, but what happens with that monochord is it's just creates this trance inducing, like very heavenly oceanic kind of a sound. It's just like these waves of like crashing healing vibration that just keeps repeating upon itself. And, um, and that's important in the realm of sound therapy because it's that kind of, um, uh, a repetition of, of sounds that will um, basically entrain the brain to enter it into like an altered state of consciousness. You can drop into deeper states of trance when you're listening to these like repetitive patterns. So that's why that monochord is there. And um, it's, uh, it's simple, but just the subtlest ways of the amount of pressure that you're putting on the strings. What finger are you strumming the strings with? It's like you can get where upon the board of the instrument are you strumming. You can get these like different subtleties of um, overtones and just like different sounds that can come out of just the monochord alone. Um, and then on the other side of the instrument is a uh, tempura, which is an instrument that comes from India. It's a only four strings. It's very, very simple. Um, and uh, it's also another, uh, like a drone kind of a sound, like the monochord is. It's like there's a repetition of the strings and of the notes. Um, it's very, very mystical, beautiful, um, uh, almost, uh, yes, just very like mystic, a very mystic kind of sound to me. Um, and then also on that same side of the instrument is a Japanese harp uh, instrument called the koto, uh, very similar to another instrument coming from China called like guzheng, which people have may have seen. And so that is 16 strings and they are, um, each and every string has its own little triangular bridge. So it'll like, um, wherever, you know, depending on where you're tuning it. Right. So instead of like the bridge being like just a straight bar across, um, one side of the strings, it's somewhere in the middle of the instrument. And it's just this little triangular, um, wooden piece that lifts the string off the board. And, um, that's a, yeah, it's just a beautiful, playful harp kind of a sound there. And what's unique about that little bridge is that you can do things like put your hand on the other side of the string and you can like wiggle it and you'll get a wah, 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 wah kind of sound out of the note that you're playing. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, hence the name Kotamo, Koto Tempura Monochord. And it's uh, fascinating to me. On some level, I get this picture of like a tuning fork, the way in which you're able to create melodies and sound frequencies and waves, they they help the person resonate with that. Like if people know if you have a tuning fork and you hit it, then the other forks will begin resonating with that. So I guess right. I, I, another question I'm thinking about is, how how did you, when you went to school to learn and you began this relationship with this instrument, maybe you could speak about that and then 
what does that mean for your rela your relationship with the person you're working with? It sounds like a it's like a very intricate sort of passionate sort of you know container for a relationship to be in. I'm just I'm curious how that all plays together. Yes. Um, it's hmm. an interesting question. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess um, my relationship with sound and frequency and, and, and this body of work was um, that it was, uh, you know, music has always been a huge healer for me personally. And um, everything from just like being a young person and and using music as an outlet to have something to resonate with what I was feeling and to help me get through, you know, maybe some tough moments. I'm sure that we can all relate to that, yeah. you know, um, how music can just, uh, sometimes it can be the thing, the very thing that saves us or, or provides a vehicle for some kind of revelation or inspiration or for the next step in our own healing. Um, and uh, also through, for me, through vicariously through music was dance. I found a lot of healing in the ecstatic dance community. And, um, you know, and just, I, I don't know, I've always had this very um, strong relationship with music and sound and, and singing. And sometimes I used to go out into the woods and uh, my whole life and I would just start singing and not, not for anybody, <laughs> just for myself. And um, and I would sing to the trees and I would sing to, to the birds and the wind. And um, I could sing my sadness and I could sing my questions and my confusion. And, and I could hear, it would almost be like, I could feel like the world would sing back to me. And then I could you know sing that song too. Yeah. And I mean, it's been a part of my journey. Um, so, you know, music was always there for me. And um, there, I, I became very um, ill at a point in my life. I had um, contracted a co-infection from a tick bite, hmm. um, something called babesiosis. And it um, destroyed a lot of the connective tissue in my body. And I was in a lot of pain. Um, and had all kinds of strange, like neurological things that were connected with that, that were going on. And uh, it was a really hard time for me, especially as somebody who, you know, again, like I loved music. I loved to go out and I loved to dance and to move to it. And that was a big part of my healing. And I couldn't do that really anymore. Um, I was uh, bedridden for about six or seven months and wow. I could hardly get out, get up and move. And during that time, I am, um, you know, eventually this is going to answer the question, but I feel yeah, like perfect. it really kind of just sets it all up Jeez. for me and like how I came to this path and how I relate to others now through the vibration and the sound. So I was in this like feverish kind of delirium state, you know, when you're sick, sometimes it's almost like you're dreaming. And um, so I was in this very medial kind of space between the seen and the unseen and um, and dealing with all this, this pain and these strange things that were happening in my body. And I was very scared. And suddenly one day I just, it was like I could hear this music. It just started coming to me and I felt like it was holding me and that it was cradling me. 
and I could feel this music um, coming into my joints and in the places where I was experiencing pain. And I could feel this, this soothing of that and almost even like an acceptance of just like, okay, like this is, it's not okay, but this is okay right now. And like, I can accept what life is giving me. And this music I was hearing in my head, it was, um, it, it was like my lifeline. And I would uh, go to sleep and I would dream about it. And then I would wake up and I feel like I could still hear it. And this went on for a few days. And I started thinking to myself, like, I think there's something going on here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a very, um, I'm a very spiritual person and I just felt like perhaps there was an angel speaking to me in that moment. And I was like, I have a feeling that there is something, there's something to this. This isn't just something I'm making up in my head. And so um, from my bed, I got on my computer and I started doing all of this um, research on some of the sounds I was hearing. I could kind of make out the, I knew about the monochord instrument already. Um, having a very small one of my own. And um, I thought this kind of sounds like a monochord. Maybe I, I'm just going to listen to some monochord music. That feels like a good idea. Mm. And so it was through that path that I came across um, the music of the Kotomo. And I heard this music and I was just like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> that's it. This is it. And I was elated to find it. And um so essentially it is through it is through that illness and this experience of illness that I had that that drew me to that instrument, the Kotomo. And I became just completely obsessed with listening to it. And I thought to myself, I was like, I, I need to learn, I need to find out more about this. And this is and I found out about my school that I went to and the teacher that I studied with and the instruments that he builds and I thought to myself at first, like, I'm going to go and, and I'm going to go there and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get one of these instruments. I'm going to play it and um, I'm going to see what this is all about, what sound therapy is all about and how, you know, I've experienced some sound healings, but this seemed like a completely different level of that. And, and it was, and I went and the, um, you know, I, I experienced through my teacher the the power of sound therapy on the physical body and i was just completely amazed um and so one thing led to another and i just wanted to keep going back and studying and training and um you know eventually i was able to heal myself from uh from the babesiosis and i rebuilt the t tissues in my body and i'm able to to move and and do my thing once again and um you know the sound and the oh, i did that with um you know different herbs um like ayurvedic uh detox protocols um i kind of hit it from a lot of different angles but the music and coming into a space of uh, a peaceful mind and of acceptance I felt like were really, really crucial and key to my healing process. Um, there were things I had to let go of and come into acceptance with within myself in order to like move past uh, the pain that I was experiencing that I felt like on some level was manifesting in my own body because I was holding maybe some kind of a painful frequency in my own mind and it's like it manifested in this way. 
Um, that's how I look at it now anyway. Um, so having had that experience of sound for myself in all of these different ways throughout my life, and especially uh, through the um, experience of planetary frequencies in my own personal healing, um, I know how powerful it can be. And so when I'm working with another person, I feel like, I don't know, I, I suppose I'm feeling um, a lot of gratitude for the vibration because I know how much it's helped me and then being able to be in a position to uh, facilitate you know, the creation of that kind of sound for another person to experience, it really brings me a lot of uh, joy and sense of purpose. Um, and I really also believe too, that it's like that, that frequency of like gratitude is like, that is what creates miracles. And um, it's just, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's just like, wow, it's like I'm using this, this instrument and this music to speak to like the soul of another person because we are all vibration. We are all just these different frequencies that are vibrating in a field and we are existing in an even larger field of all mm -hmm. these different vibrating frequencies. So it's uh, the, the instruments that I use are they're like, it's a tool and it's a language mm -hmm. and planetary frequencies. It's like the language to me, I'm like viewing this as like a language of the universe. Of, I love it. I, I was I was thinking the word language came into my mind and when you had spoken about dance like you can see I see dance as a form of language and in fact I see words is but a fragment of language they're like one they maybe they're a vowel or they're a consonant but all these things together be it poetry or dance or music or intention or these feelings that we have I think all of them come together to make up a language and I love the way in which you describe the language speaking to the soul and I think it speaks volumes of being able to help someone after you've had the lived experience of helping yourself. I think there's something there that happens and you can begin to see those frequencies on some level. You know, in, in some heightened states of awareness, people talk about this form of synesthesia where they can see sounds. And on some level, maybe that's what is happening is that you you have this ability to in in different states of consciousness to see the frequencies of of the language and yeah I, I'm kind of getting out in the woods now but maybe we could talk a little bit more about this idea of language do you think that maybe some of these problems that are manifesting through mental illness or or disease is just the, a problem with frequency like maybe the person's a bad dancer and they're they're just acting Ooh. out their life as a bad dance like they've never been taught you know or they didn't think, maybe they don't know. I don't know. But like, is that possible that we're just learning this new language and these frequencies are helping us? Yeah, I um, I think there can be, there's definitely a lot to be said there. And there, there's a lot of different avenues. Um, I do, um, I really do believe that, you know, our, our mental state is, it's a web of frequency. So it's like, like your thoughts can be measured by a machine as a, you know, as like right. a vibration. So that's, you know, that's, that's proven. Um, and, um, you know, and a lot of the old, uh, like mystic and, and different kinds of um, medial or uh, uh, shamanic types of traditions, 
um, they will say that like all disease is born from like maybe a thought or, mm. or a belief that that we're carrying about something and it's like oh you know maybe and in, even when you talk about dance and the body and like somatics and things like that it's like oh maybe that thought it's like sure we're having it in our head but maybe it's actually like over here somewhere you know and it's oh it's like i'm always like have this like tension in my shoulder like what is that about it's like well maybe that's like um uh, a dissonant thought um because i believe that uh, when we're in resonance, you know, we're in a state of um, ecstatic being, of ecstatic awakening. It's it's a joyful frequency. It's a it's a state of acceptance and a true unconditional love. Um, there's no fear there in that space. And um, <clears throat> just for me personally, when I was like went through my illness. I, um, I had this, uh, it was very startling, but I felt like I had this realization of like, oh, like I'm in so much pain in my body right now that I'm paralyzed. And I realized like, wow, like I go here in my mind all the time, like just not having any, not without having any or choosing, I was choosing that to not have control of going into these places of, um, you know, some maybe say depression. Sure. Like that. Uh, I called it the realm of emptiness, just like thinking mm -hmm. about things that um, not only weren't real, but there was just like nothing really for me in those places and it would feel painful. And now I'm like, wow, I did that so much. And now there's like a physical pain manifesting in my body. It's just like my mind created that. And the frequency I was holding in my mind, perhaps it's like, now it's like stuck. Um, so, you know, I do, I really do truly believe that, you know, our thoughts become things, they become feelings, they become, they can become like physical things that happen to us. Um, and, uh, you know, I've kind of seen it in some people that I've worked with, um, like, a, um, like a man who is very angry, um, having heart problems just like, oh, this like constricting like anger. And then now he was like having heart issues and, um, you know, things of that kind of nature. Uh, I've also known um, another woman who actually also was having heart issues. <laughs> I've seen a few people with different kinds of heart things going on. And, um, and, but for her, she had, um, she was in a state of grief and she had like cut herself off from her own like creativity and allowing herself to feel joyful. And then her heart was hurting like mm -hmm. physical level, you know? And um, so, yeah. And I also think too about intrusive frequencies. Um, we're surrounded by all like these different electronics. Um, there's frequencies coming in through, you know, you could even think of like uh, the different things you might see on TV yeah. There's a lot of violence. Um, there's a lot of things that are unhealthy around us in this world. And each of those things is emitting a frequency. It is affecting us. Everything that like we are taking in with our body and like with our eyes and with our ears, you know, it's going to be affecting us on some level. So um, I think uh, it's completely possible to, you know, protect yourself essentially 
from these kinds of things and like being mindful of like what it is that we're taking into our bodies and into our minds and um you know and meditating is really important to to keep your own inner frequency strong and you know you don't want to be swayed by all of the different things that are going on around you you know you have to to have that strength to 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 be the resonator um instead of trying you know being the one who's being resonated by all of these different things that are going on around us um uh i also just you know i have i have personal ideas too of just like over culturalization and how we've been cut off um you know from a very young age from our experience of what is the medial and what is the unseen you know we can't see vibration but we feel mm -hmm. it and um, when I talk about the medial, it's, that's a bit of what I'm talking about, like unseen realms and dreams and, you know, the power of our imagination and things that we can't necessarily explain, but are there and that they are true. Um, you know, I think all of these things can create a basis for, for mental illness and depression and which in turn, you know, and, and obsessive thinking, which can in turn also create disease in our bodies. That's, it's it's wonderful. I, I often think in my own life or people I know and I love, when they get into a dark spot, it a lot of it comes from inner dialogue. You know, it comes from however that's programmed in them, whether it's something like a like a the place of emptiness that you talk about, or maybe it's something that was passed down from generation to generation, but it is this frequency that whether it's the frequency with which they tell themselves, whether it's the frequency of the environment that they keep going back to. But these ideas, and we go back to language, whether it's frequency or what do you resonate with, it seems to me that this idea of music is, is submersed in our language and it's all around us and it's the way we react to people and it's how we bounce things off each other. Like It's so part of our language that, that how could we not be taking the idea of sound and residence on a deeper level and meaning to me. And it, it's, I guess it's a lot of the times we hear about something called the golden ratio. And if you look at fractals or you look at these, the way in which the earth is constructed, be it the human body or the way the mycelium grows underneath the trees, there's this golden ratio. And is, is there a, is there a relationship to the golden ratio in sound? Um, Um, well, I can't say I, I, I'm, you know, surely, <laughs> surely it's like, as a, you know, especially as like a mathematical kind of right. equation, um, you know, music theory, for example, it's all, that's all based on, on math, you know, down to like the essential point of what it is, uh, you know, a, a different, right. you know, different octaves, uh, different harmonies, um, all of these kinds of things are just different ratios. Like, okay, so if you have like a, a, like a string on a string right. instrument, right? If you were to say, you know, put your finger in the middle of the string and then like pluck it over here, it's going to be a different note. And then if you take like a third of that, that's going to be a different note, but it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a harmony that's happening. So, um, <clears throat> so I can see how the, the concept of like golden ratio and also different kinds of sacred geometry can absolutely be right. applied to music and music theory and music therapy and all of these things. 
Yeah. It's interesting that we we use the idea of harmony in, in mathematics and you know seeing seeing sound in some ways when I when I think of the idea of like resonance, is resonance central to sound therapy? Like how do you see it aligning with like the ancient concepts of harmonious proportions and the way it affects our bodies and mind? Yes, the the idea and of of resonance is completely yeah. well the sound therapy is like based off of. So there's a difference between um, sound healing and sound therapy okay. and music therapy. They're all different. And um, they, they all can be very, very healing to the body, um, the mind, the spirit, the heart, all of the things. And so where we have um, sound healing, um, you know, we there. You, you, I'm sure that you've been to a sound healing, maybe in a yoga studio, or something like that, where somebody come out with all these beautiful instruments, and there'll be crystal bowls, and there'll be gongs, and maybe there's a flute, or like different bells and chimes, and an atmosphere, like a very meditative, beautiful atmosphere is created with these instruments, and um, sound healing. It doesn't necessarily need to incorporate. Um, like what can be considered like scientific healing frequencies. It's beautiful meditative music, right? It's like, it doesn't matter um, if it's a, you know, a technical scientific sound healing frequency or not, it's still going to drop you into a meditative space. And it's that's that meditative space. Um, that's where we can experience a lot of healing and, you know, new ways of looking at things, insights, revelations can happen. Um, he healing can speed up in the body because you're essentially in a state of rest. So, you know, your cells are going to be regenerating a lot quicker. Um, so, you know, sound healing is, is creating this atmosphere of beautiful meditative music, um, specific kinds of instruments that can, you know, induce that sort of sleepiness, more or less. And then there's music therapy and music therapy is a lot about um, um, using composition to uh, induce and reflect different emotional states. So it's a bit, so that's, that's also very different than, than like meditative sound healing experiences or even what sound therapy is. Um, cause it's like, it's more about, uh, using composition to like, maybe you want to like, you know, to help somebody through whatever it is that they're going through. And sometimes that could even, um, a little bit of that is actually creating some dissonance at times because it's like, sometimes you need to, to hear that dissonance in order to bring it to the surface and then in music therapy, it's like the composition will change to create a resolution of that thing that was brought up. So, um, you know, um, and then with sound therapy is like, it's the application of healing frequencies to the body, scientific healing frequencies to the body. Um, so it's all very different. Uh, and so in my practice, I use um, to hand hammered Tibetan singing bowls primarily. Um, I do have my Kotomo instrument that I, I really like to use that for, uh, for groups. Um, 
And, um, but I, when I'm working like one-on-one -on -one with people, I'm usually using hand-hammered Tibetan singing bowls. And, uh, you know, and I have a little bit of like a coaching interview sort of a process before I begin mm -hmm. with the client. Um, you know, what are, what are the issues that you want to address? And I try to get an idea of like where, you know, where are they feeling in that moment? Um, and how are they feeling about different areas in their life? Um, trying to get this idea of the whole picture of what's going on in the being and maybe some things that could be beneath the surface. Um, and, uh, you know, and then at that point, I choose what frequencies I think are going to work best for that person. So each of my singing bowls has actually gone through spectral analyzing equipment. So um, and they they hit these like, you know, these healing frequencies very, very precisely. So it's like, I know exactly what's going on in each of those singing bowls. And um, I'll put them either on the body or sometimes like I have some very large bowls that I put underneath my massage table. Um, I'll put them on different, sometimes I'll put them on stools like near, near the head or, you know, if somebody isn't comfortable with having a bowl on their body. And, um, you know, and then I just very, you know, sometimes I'm also moving them over the body and through the aura and the energy field. And um, what this does is it's creating a cocoon of these different healing frequencies in these sounds. So like every cell in the body is literally being vibrated on, the, like, on this micro, micro kind of a level. And, um, and so it's introducing this healthy healing frequency, right? So uh, whatever is, you know, maybe out of tune in the body, it's just like, it's like, ah, oh, like that's, there's the healing frequency. That's like where I'm supposed to be here in my being. And the body is going to want to, it's going to start to attune to that. It's going to start to resonate just like you were talking about with the tuning forks. Um, it's the, actually the same thing happens on my Kotsimo mm -hmm. instrument because it's double-sided. So, you know, I might have, um, I have like C sharp strings and I'll pluck the C sharp string on the monochord side. And then all of a sudden my tempura will start droning um, it's very much like that in the human body within sound therapy and resonance. It's like you, um, on this, like, you know, very, the, the, it's a very, very subtle level. Um, but when you turn your attention inward and into that, it's like, you can feel it happening and, um, everybody experiences something different, but a lot of people at times, um, when something's really, you know, dissonant, we'll feel it on a very physical level. And it could feel almost like a, like a pain, like almost like a little cramp or like a, there's like a little pinch going on and it can happen anywhere in the body. And it's just like, you'll, you'll feel that little pinch and it'll kind of move a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, it just smooths out. And like, sometimes in those moments, people will describe having like a memory like a childhood memory could come up that's associated with that dissonance or like a, there's an emotion or, you know, an obsessive thought that's like, oh, there it is. And then it'll literally, the healthy, it'll start to resonate with the healthy frequency and it'll just like gently smooth out. Um, so resonance is really, really important in the, the realm of sound therapy specifically. It's the basis of how, um, you know, how the whole modality works essentially it's fascinating to me it uh, are there different i guess i'm wondering about and i'm sure this takes 
the more you do it, the better you get at things, and the more you understand, no matter what you're involved in. But if you're in this space with an individual versus a group, like what are some of the differences? Like with an individual, you can work specifically with them, but is there a difference between group or is there different things people should work on between a group and an individual? Or how are those things similar and different? Um, well, in my, in my like one-on-one kind of work, um, it's, um, we can get a lot more specific about things. Um, you know, it's obviously, it, it can be very, it can be a very intimate experience for people. Um, cause if you think about it, um, like, let's say, regardless of how much somebody chooses to share with me, like speaking or, in, you know, before we actually get into the session. Um, and the reason for that is that sound touches us all on a very, very deep, deep level. And it's like, you can come to a person and, you know, you maybe you don't want to share everything. You put up a wall here. You're like, oh, you know, maybe I'll tell them this, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to let them know about the pain that's in here. Mm. We have masks and we have, you know, these different faces that we show people and, um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, not very vulnerable when you first meet them, um, which is appropriate. You know, these boundaries are definitely appropriate. But the thing with sound is that no matter what kind of a wall you try to put up, it's vibration. It's just going to, it literally passes through your physical yeah. body. There's nothing that you can do. Hold it up, hold up um, something against it. So, um, you know, it can be a very like, you know, intimate in that kind of an aspect, um, very emotional for people. So, um, yeah, so the one-on-one work, it's like I'm able to really uh, get very, very specific with um, what frequencies that I choose to use for that person to, to address the thing that is the most important to address. Or it's like if we have a goal in mind, um, you know, we can like, you know, create the perfect uh, um, concoction mm. Of frequency and vibration to help achieve that goal, to be like that vehicle that that person can travel on, um, to to achieve what it is that they're trying to achieve. In a group, it can be similar in a way, um, but I'm a lot more selective about what frequencies I'll introduce to a group. Um, and the reason for that is that, like you know, some of these healing frequencies they're very very powerful and they can. Um, they can bring up a lot of things for people, you know, like there's a, there's a frequency out there that was taught to me is called Hopi heart. And it's actually, um, it's based on a, uh, a, a, I, and I, I wish I could tell you <laughs> exactly what it is. Um, but there's a, it's based on a frequency from the Grand Canyon, which is considered to be like the birthplace of a lot of the indigenous peoples um, in the Southwest. And uh, this particular frequency happens to really uh, put people in touch with the, their inner child. And uh, it's actually very, it's very gentle and it's very, you know, loving and lighthearted. But, um, you know, for those of us who maybe um, have wounding to our childhood innocence or some like mm. old memory that can be disturbing, it can be very emotional for people. And they'll remember, people will just start remembering things that they had forgotten about, about their childhood. So, um, you know, I have brought that frequency in 
for a group sound healing, but I'm very careful because um, a lot of the time when people come into a group, you know, it could be their very first time experiencing something like that. And they may not actually be fully, oh, like, oh yeah, I've been to a sound healing mm -hmm. before. It was so relaxing and it was so nice. And it's just like, well, this is a little different because like mm -hmm. uh, we're using these very powerful healing frequencies that, that can bring things up and they can bring up different emotions. And if somebody, you know, I just never know if somebody's really going to be prepared for that. So in my group sound healings, I, I always select frequencies that um, are to be considered within the, the realm of this modality to be very, very gentle, very relaxing, revitalizing. Um, you know, I don't want to, uh, you, you can really upset people sometimes. And it's actually, this kind of brings me to a really important point um, uh, when it comes to, you know, sound healing, especially here in the United States, just something that I've witnessed is, um, you know, people uh, bringing in different frequencies without really knowing what it is that they're bringing into like a group space like that. Um, you know, for example, it's a, when, um, with um, gongs, you can very easily buy a planetary gong. And I've seen them in different sound healings before. Like somebody, you know, like, oh, here's like an earthier gong, which is, um, you know, earthier is a very common planetary frequency that's very, very gentle. Um, it's actually a pure ohm tone, um, which is amazing to me. And it's, uh, it's, it's based on the cycle of the earth going around the sun, like a full year on the sun is ohm pure ohm, our home, right? Mm. So that sense of, wow, oh, I'm at peace. I'm in, I'm in a space of safety. I'm here at home. It resonates with the heart and the circulatory system. It's very, very relaxing. Um, but, you know, I've seen somebody bring in, uh, I've gone to a sound healing before and they had a gong there and they weren't, uh, no, they weren't a certified sound therapist or anything like that. They didn't have a uh, training like that. Um, and they brought in a Pluto gong. Now, the energy of Pluto in a group sound healing bath is like, I think, a very, very unwise choice. And the reason for that is that that's a frequency. It's, it's super powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And it's really amazing. Like, I, I use it very rarely, even on my one-on-one -on -one work. And I get people ready for that over a series um, of different treatments before I'll even think about trying to bring that one in because it's, it's a frequency of transformation and it, it can, um, it, it's like, it's, how do you say, um, it brings us to face the things that we are afraid of. Hmm. So, uh, sometimes that frequency can actually bring up the energy of fear, like hmm. it makes and it gets you thinking, what is it that I'm afraid of? And it brings it up so that you can face that and overcome that fear that you have. Right. So, um, you know, I, I have, uh, so I, I've seen that in a sound healing before. And, um, and this was before, I remember it was before I even went to school and was like thinking about all this, but I specifically remember that sound healing because I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable in that room and I couldn't figure out why. It's just like, it sounds beautiful, but like, I'm like crawling out of my skin right now. So, um, you know, I, I really encourage people who are interested in sound healing 
um, you know, doing things for groups, whether you're doing it already or like looking at a school is to just be like really, really mindful of the frequencies that you are incorporating into your sound healing and like make sure that you can really be sure what it is that you're playing for people. Um, there's also another frequency. Um, it's actually the frequency of Mars. Um, and uh, it's a very another very, very powerful frequency. It's super energizing. If um, it's one of the best ones to use with somebody who's got um, uh, like any kind of like immune things coming up or if you're sick, it can really be very stimulating to the immune system. It's super, super energizing. It gives you that like that chutzpah to like just tackle mm. the bull by the horns and like whatever the obstacle is. It just gives you that mm, to go ahead and go out there and go and do it and deal with it. But um it can also trigger um, epileptic seizures if somebody's prone to that. So, you know, the, I, so <laughs> you have to be really careful. Frequency is so powerful. And um, yeah, so I think the, the, you know, those are the main differences really between the one-on-one -on -one work that I do and then the group work that I do. It's, um, you know, the one-on-one, -on -one, it's like I have the opportunity to bring in more these more powerful frequencies at time if that's what that person needs. But then I also have that understanding of like, where are you at? What is your condition? Um, you know, can I suss out what it is that you're really ready for? Um, and in groups, I, I the main goal is to really just create a relaxing atmosphere for people. Um, and, uh, you know, but also with that, like if I were to do a group with my singing bowls, for example, um, I'll oftentimes like ask everybody like, you know, like, um, you know, how are you arriving here today? You know, where are you at right now in this moment? And I can listen to the group and I can like hear the, you know, what is the collective saying that we all need right now? Um, and then I can choose the frequencies based on that. So it's it's mesmerizing to me you know i most people may not think of it but you know there's so much that sound does i i i read an article when you began talking about the 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 sounds of pluto or mars or how things can be really uncomfortable as you can hear this lawnmower coming outside of my house right now it's kind of uncomfortable but you know, there there are things like i, I know i read a while back that in Guantanamo, they were using the sound of a crying baby playing 24 hours a day to instill like a level of uncomfortableness in the people there. Anybody who has a child realizes how, how loud that tone can be and not loud in, in, in strength, but loud as it calls to your heart. Like it's calling you to action. Like I, if you just think about how powerful that is, it, it blows my mind to think about how dangerous and how powerful some tones and yeah. sounds can be. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, there's a lot of things that have happened in the future. And it, I mean, there's a lot of things that sound has helped us with in the past. And as we look at the past as a, as a potential predictor of future behavior, how do you see the world of sound evolving? Do you think that on some level, once we begin using it and understanding it for healing, that maybe it has other applications, maybe for helping us solve problems as a community or helping people attain a, a higher sense of learning. Do you think it could be used for those particular modalities as well in the future? Absolutely. Um, I really truly believe we are on the precipice of um, 
a whole new like age of healing with sound and frequency. Um, I've become privy to some of the the latest research that's emerging around around sound and vibration and its use in like healing and whatnot. And it's like, I'm honestly, I am so excited. I am so, <laughs> I am so excited for what's coming. And, um, and for, you know, this knowledge to become, um, you know, more mainstream and, and common in the human culture and consciousness. Um, you know, for starters, to first kind of answer your question, like, can you imagine for a moment if, um, you know, let's say world leaders are coming together to discuss some kind of issue or problem and what are we going to do about this? And like, what if everybody just took 20 minutes to meditate to some healing frequency and sound that opens your mind? Like, frequency, like the frequency of Uranus, for example, it can really help people to let go of the past so that you can embrace new ways of thinking and new ideas and things like that. And then, you know, and then again, there's that ohm, the earthier frequency, it really helps us to accept things as they are and to, to come into a space of like, just like true tolerance of everything that's going on around us. So can you just imagine if just like, you know, even people at work, like teams, all kinds of different scenarios, if you could just take 20 minutes to just drop in together as a group, you know, and just like listen to these tones, because 20 minutes is really all it takes to, um, for the brain to switch into a different state. I've, I've watched the most resistant people on my table just slowly start to nod off and drop into a, and, you know, into an a, a deeper state of consciousness um, just by listening to these frequencies for 20 minutes is the longest um, that I've seen it take. And, uh, you know, and it's like, if people could just take the time to do that together, it's very unifying as well, because, you know, a part of the realization that can come from many, many, many people who experience this is like, oh, like everything is sound, like everything is frequency. Like I am one with all of this because like we are all vibration. It really, you know, when, when the brain changes like that, it, that becomes very apparent and we feel that more in, in our bodies and like in our cell, in our cells. Um, and, you know, and I can just imagine um, people taking time together, different groups of people to do something like that something that's unifying with uh, breath and meditation. And it's very, it's, it'll calm the nervous system. You can think more clearly. Um, you know, it, it can, again, it can create that sense of, of tolerance and acceptance for others and like different viewpoints. And I feel like there's so much potential um, if people could collectively enter spaces like that together to discuss issues and problems and try to find the solutions that may come more easily. Um, and, uh, I do believe also we're on the precipice of a lot of vibration and sound being incorporated into, um, like, uh, like hospitals, um, in, into the medical systems. Um, I've, uh, you know, um, had the opportunity to learn some really amazing new research around cymatics, um, and like just the true nature of sound and vibration and what's happening with it in the human body and how it's affecting the body. Um, cymatics is like the visual representation of vibration and sound. So you may have seen, many people have seen before, um, 
these like different, uh, you know, images of sound and they'll be like, they'll create these beautiful patterns, like different frequencies. It's, um, you know, there's all these different kinds of experiments. We're taking sand on a metal plate, for example, and then the, the plate is, is vibrating with different frequencies. And then the sand will arrange itself into these amazing, like perfect geometric shapes and, and patterns. Um, so we, you know, within that body of, of research, um, they've been, uh, there's been all these different experiments with a pulsing sound through, um, through water as a medium. Um, and, you, you know, just think about it, how we, uh, our bodies, our human bodies, we are mostly water, right? Like we are mostly liquid, a uh, perfect medium for sound to travel through. And, so anyway, um, there's a few things that were discovered is that sound uh, is spherical. So like, you know, we, 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 yeah, we're creating waves with our mouth, but it's actually these like bubbles, right, of sound that are being created. So it's like moving in all directions. And um, also, you know, within that, so the human voice can create these perfect geometries of sound. And um, with some of these experiments were done with, with water, instead of water as a medium, it's also been done with blood as a medium, human blood. And uh, there was this one experiment that was done where a man was toning, um, just toning notes into this, into this blood. And it, you know, the, the pattern that we see, the, the perfect geometries and stuff in cymatics, it's like, you can imagine, it's like a cross section of the sphere. You just like cut it in half and like, that's the shape there. Um, but there's actually like these 3D geometries of vibration that are occurring. So anyway, they, they you know, they, they took that cross section and they see, oh, like, look at this beautiful, perfect geometry produced by just a human voice. You know, um, it's amazing. Like what we are able to do, you know, with our own bodies. So, um, and that this, uh, in this pattern um, it oxygenated the blood. So the part, you know, where the, the actual vibration and the ripples were, if you, if you would, um, that blood turned bright red and it was just like, it increased about, I think, um, it's like 12% more oxygen than the rest of the blood. And, uh, you know, then the man stopped toning and that imprint remained on the blood for a full 15 minutes after the sound had stopped. And so I, I mean, that is just fascinating to me. And then that led to, you know, there's all these other experiments done with like different kinds of music um, being played to blood and like different frequencies and all of these things. And it turned out that no matter what you're listening to, no matter what kind of a, um, musical environment that you are immersed in, your blood is gonna increase by a minimum of about like 11%. And it'll increase um, more with the more like sub bass frequencies that are in music. It's like those really deep bass tones actually increase more oxygen in your blood, um, which, you know, makes me think of like, honestly, like music concerts and things like that. It's like, oh yeah, people love the bass and we love to, to dance to that bass. And it's like, well, it's literally increasing the oxygen in our blood when we're listening to that kind of music. Um, uh, also very interesting um, discoveries about sound and vibration 
<clears throat> are that all sound is preceded by light. All sound is preceded by light. So, or, um, I'm sorry, or infrared light. And uh, it's, it's just really amazing to think about because, you know, like our cells communicate through infrared light. So therefore our cells are communicating with vibration. You know, our thoughts are vibration. Therefore our thoughts are infrared light. Um, our, our songs that we singing are literally reaching the stars because it become it is light and it's just the the sound wave it'll stop after a certain point it'll peter out and you can't hear it anymore but the sound but the light travels infinitely and you know vice versa the stars are constantly singing to us like they are vibrating and we are like you know being sent all this light and to me i mean that's just a really amazing thing to really think about you know and the implications of that um, cause we already know that infrared light can be very regenerating for the body as it is. So, you know, what else can, can come from that? Um, I've been, I've heard of, uh, technologies being developed that's using infrared light and vibration to, um, like in hospital beds where they can be programmed to, to help healing with different ailments. There are these, um, I wish I could remember what they were called, but there's this technology of this. It's like a, almost like this thing you put your feet in. And if you think of like reflexology um, and acupuncture and all these kinds of things, it's like, you know, all of the, the organs and the different parts of the body can be accessed through the ears, the feet and the hands. So they, there's this device that you can put your feet into and it'll just do this different kinds of like vibration reflexology and it'll literally heal all these different parts of your body. Um, and I also heard, this is the one I'm, I just think this is so cool. Um, I've heard about this technology being developed of these, um, it's kind of like these visors for uh, people who can't see. And what it is, is that they, it's, um, they, they, it reads the environment, the visual environment, creates a map that is based on infrared light and then beams it into the back of the eyes. And the, the brain is able to create this image, you know, based on just the infrared light, which is vibration. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff is just like really just now up and coming, but I truly believe that there's going to become a point in the probably not too far future where you know, we could be having these kinds of hospital beds in every single hospital. Um, you know, it's going to be very accessible for people to reach. I think that the modalities around, you know, the true nature of healing sound and like sound therapy is going to become a lot more popular and a lot better understood as uh, time goes on. And um, I'm really excited, you know, for all of the different potential that's there. Um, I've also heard about, uh, different concepts around uh, virtual reality and, and using VR to uh, shift consciousness um, and like kind of like the reprogramming of the mind by using, you know, different colors of light and pulsing different frequencies through the body. And, um, you know, it's like you can basically induce, you know, inducing different, um, experience it through people just through light and sound and like with the vr you're just fully immersed in it and you can literally change minds with a with a tool like that um 
yeah, so it's very, very exciting. And I just like, I just can't wait to see, you know, what's coming next. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. We're, we seem to be on the forefront of learning so much, maybe learning so much about what we don't know. You know, when, when you just look at the the environment around us, you know, like bats use echolocation, like they're using their voice to figure out where they are in the canyon or figure out where they are in the world. And on some level, if you just yell at your hand, close your eyes, you can tell how close your hand is, you know, and like, what? it just, I'm so thankful for the future that's emerging because it seems to me that we're beginning to relearn all of this wisdom and techniques that people before us had access to, or somehow we've shut ourselves off to it. And I, I think what you're doing is a, big part of helping people be educated and, and, and what, what it means to listen to the frequencies of nature or more than that, listen to the language of nature on some level. I think you're really tapping into that and showing people like, look at this beautiful language that surrounds us and how it can heal us. You know, in, in a previous conversation, you had mentioned that there, there is, I think you have some tool or modality that a person can get into like this drum or something like that. Do you remember talking about that where they can be in the total frequency, like where they can be surrounded by sound? Am I making that part up right there? Um, you might be <laughs> about a, um, I have a singing bowl. Okay. Is, is, is very large. It's very large. That's so people it. can stand inside of it. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that particular bowl, it's again, it's the earth, your own frequency. That is, it's, that is like my, my go-to. <laughs> Um, for a lot of folks because it's so relaxing and it's just like, it's so it's grounding in the heart, not like just like grounding in the body and in the root, you know, that's like a different kind of a grounding. It's very grounding in the heart center and it's the frequency of our home. It's like the, the Bach rescue remedy of, of all the different healing frequencies. Um, so it's when I work with a lot. So I have, uh, they're called footballs. Um, so essentially it's like you can stand inside of this large hand hammered singing bowl and I'm playing and I, uh, I hit the bowl from different sides because, um, you know, the, the way that the waves will travel from where the mallet actually hits the bowl, like it's, it creates this like directional wave. So I get it all around the rim. And as you're standing in there, because you have your pressure on the bottom, the vibrations are literally like vibrating the bones in your body like you're standing there and you can, you'll feel like your sacred architecture is vibrating with ohm the the frequency of our planet you know bringing you back to to the heart center and just whew, everything is okay and like i can accept and i can have a you know unconditional love for everything that is around me and it's just deeply relaxing it can be very intense too. I don't like to do it for too long for people because you feel like you're just literally going to float away after a period of time. Um, but yeah, I think that's what you might've been thinking of. Yeah, it was. It, it's fascinating <laughs> to me. I, there, there's, I, I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of, of some of the technologies that are emerging, some of the healing properties that have been used in the past and some of the, the relationship it has to today. And I'm, I mean, you have to come back because I think that there's a lot more we can cover. You know, I think this is a good foundation for people to begin understanding. Maybe it gives them a, a little view into the past and a quick snippet mm -hmm. of the future. And, you know, I, I don't know how much you could say, but is, is there, are, are, is there some things that you're working on that you want to tell people about or. 
Um, well, you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot here. Uh, I'm just trying to think if, um, well, you know, I, I, I really love to, um, to share the information, right. um, about how powerful sound and frequency is. It's okay. like, I, um, I want to share with people that, you know, how simple it can be to 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 really enter that like that unitive field of consciousness that is vibration and it's just like it can be it's just that simple you know everything is vibrating around us and like you are vibrating and it's all it's it's just this beautiful like life is just this beautiful symphony that is constantly unfolding and and happening it's like everybody is like a is a different note in the song and (laughs) Every, everything has a purpose within that. Um, I feel like the sound and frequency can really show that to us. And whether it's you're, you know, meditating in a sound healing or you're receiving a sound therapy session or like, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're dancing with your friends at a, at a show somewhere. It's like, there's different ways that you can enter that, that unitive field. Um, so, you know, that's something that I feel like I'm always like wanting to strive to show people through the sound, just like how simple it can be, how simple, you know, it's comp- it is complex, but also it's simple too, um, you know, healing and, and feeling. And uh, I feel like another thing I'm really passionate about that I feel like the sound can be a vehicle for is, um, you know, and this is something I've been thinking of a lot more lately too, with where I want to go with my work is just this, um, this, uh, reconnection with medial. Mm. I know I've said that a few times and, uh, the, the, the realm of the medial. And I think what I mean by that is like, there is this, um, connection that I believe every living thing is always is, you know, we are born connected we are born like with this sense of connection to everything that's around us and that there are things that are, that are unseen and our culture has, um, you know, it's like severed this connection over culturalization calls for us to sever that connection with the unseen. What happens there in that realm of the unseen is like, I feel like that's where you can really feel like the heartbeat of the universe is there. It's not something you can see. It's something that you just feel inside of yourself, you know? And uh, there's also like, we can, there's so much information that's available for us to, and like wisdom that we can obtain from the those medial realms. And I think as beings, it's like human beings, you know, we are, you know, born to exist in both places. We dream at night, you know, we sometimes like, we just get inspiration that just seems to come out of nowhere. You know, that's, to me, that's that connection to the medial. And um, I think that sound can really, really help provide um, a healing of that connection. It can really help assist people to drop into a deeper state of like that that kind of, it's like this childhood innocence. You know, it's like you look at a child and they are just, they are filled with wonder and they don't, you know, they, they can, they're, they're not, um, 
you know, they're not over-acculturated yet. They're so open and they can feel things that we have cut ourselves off to. And sometimes they can even see those things. And sure, there's some people who maybe have, you know, more of that connection to the medial than others. Um, you know, we think of, I think of like, you know, medicine people and seers and nice. the wise women and, um, you know, these different positions that are, have always been a part of like ancient culture. Um, and a lot of that I feel like has been removed. It's like, there's billions of people on the planet yet. We're all expected to fit in like, to what, like, you know, these, 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 okay, this is what you can be in the world. And there's only so many options and there can't be anything outside of them, you know? And it's like, well, we all just want to fit in and be a part of society and be accepted. And so uh, we'll cut off our connection to the medial in order to fit some mold that, that, you know, maybe isn't truly what we are. I find that sound can really help us enter those medial places. And, and it's like this, uh, this, um, this vehicle to, to, yeah, maybe heal that connection a bit and find what's there. Um, uh, I think I'm thinking of this story, this like folklore story. I cannot remember the actual culture. They believe it's like a European culture that it comes from, but it kind of speaks to this issue and it's a little bit spooky, but it's like really close to Halloween. So I feel like maybe it's appropriate. To yeah. Um, so it's the story of um, the Urukunik. It's called, there's this being it's called the Urukunik. And in some, uh, some stories he's called Earl King. And so this Urukunik being is like, you know, it's like this, um, it's this force that steals and, you know, all, you know, all these, there's all these different mythologies where we can come across this same sort of an idea or figure that's like, oh, there's this thing in the darkness that, that can steal. If you're not careful, if you're not paying attention, it'll come and steal you or steal your life. And, and the story goes is that there is, you know, the Urukunik or the Earl King, he, he wanders the forest, you know, and he's just waiting for like an unsuspecting, um, person to come and wander and then you know he's the they'll come and steal their life and steal their soul and so the story goes is that and everything has a lot of this has a lot of meaning like every character right right so a father and a son are riding on a horse through the forest and um the little child is you know he's full of wonder he's got a great big imagination he's completely in his heart and you know he doesn't like keep his love from anybody or everything or anything and he's just completely open he's that our energy this child represents our inner child like our connection to to the source and to life and then the father now the father he's you know he's a bit more stoic he's, he's had some experiences and you know he's uh maybe a little bit hard or a little bit harsh, but that's because, you know, he knows how the world can be and, you know, it can be tough and, you know, he's here to be a teacher and, and a protector. And this is his mindset, you know, and then there's the horse and the, the horse is like our instinctual nature, right? It's our instinct in this story. And the horse loves the little boy. The horse loves this family. Um, so anyway, they're, they're, going on through the forest 
And, and then all of a sudden, the little child says, Father, Father, the Urukunik is here. He's here in the forest and he's following us. Mm. We see him over there. And the father says, oh, no, no, no. There is no Urukunik. You, you, don't, you don't see anything. It's, it's, it's probably, you know, just a, just a creature in the woods that is scampering around. Or it's probably just a bird or, or something like that. There is no Urukunik. You are safe. And so they keep going a little further. And then the little boy says again, Father, Father, I can see him. The Urukunik is here. I, I, I can see his crown of leaves and I see his cape and, and he's following us. He's, he's coming. And the father says, oh, no, 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 no. There is no Urukunik. You, 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 it's probably just the leaves in the trees that you're seeing or, or the mists in the woods. There, there's no cape. There's no crown. There's, there's no Urukunik. You're safe. And they keep going, and then the little boy says, Father, the Urukunik, I I can feel him. He's here. He's right upon us. And, and the father says, Oh no, 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 my son. You're just it's just your imagination. It's not real. It's not real. And then they keep going, and then he says again, he's like, Father, the Urukunik is right here. He's right next to us now. I can feel him. I can see him. And then the horse, the horse feels the presence of the Urukunik. So he takes off into the woods and, and he, the, the horse gallops and he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs. And eventually he stops. And when he stops, the father sees that the child has died in his arms. <laughs> the reason for that and that the Urukunik had come and taken the child because the Urukunik had taken the father long ago. So I think about that story a lot because I feel like it speaks about over-culturalization. Like the father is like the culture, right? Yeah. And it's like the little child is us. It's like we don't want to be dis we we know on some intrinsic level that our connection to the medial is is real and it's like important. And um, you know, it's like the culture can can stifle that and it can you know it can cut us off from this beautiful innocence and connection to love and that we have to the world so i know it's kind of like a dark story <laughs> it's but beautiful. i feel like it's important too to speak of because i think that um there is this expectation from society and culture that we have to like erase this part of ourselves that we can't be in touch with that little child in us that is you know connected to everything and it's like the people around us even when we're growing up and telling us you know it's like oh you gotta like shut this out like you can't like you know be tuned into these like unseen parts of the world or it's not real or you know that love and that innocence it's just like that's something you have to just you know cut and it's like i don't think that's true i think it's so important and the the horse the instinct of the horse it's like we know we want to we don't want to be um you know stifled by by the culture you know so i bring up that story in in reference to that question because i feel like with the work that i'm doing it's um i want to revive that little child mm. you know and um, in whatever kind of work that I'm doing in the world, um, I want to remind people that 
the healing is possible and like that connection is something that we can all revive you know that can all be reestablished if it's gone or if it's like weakened we can strengthen it and um i truly believe that um you know we can experience a lot of healing in this world if we can remember you know our true nature you know what it really can mean to be human and they kind of call back these um these ways of seeing and being in the world that the ancients always knew about, you know, and practiced and, and spoke of, and it lives on in stories and, you know, and in some cultures it's still there too. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I want to, uh, I like to use sound as a way to do that because I feel like, yeah, I'm making the sound, but the sound speaks for itself. And um, it's not something that like I have to to say or like try to convince. It's like something that can be felt mm-hmm. in the body and in the being. And um, you know, and it's it can induce such a state of uh, like gratitude, like just natural. It's like oh, like you hear beautiful music, and sometimes it's like oh my god, thank you so much for mm-hmm. the music. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, that state of gratitude, that's where like miracles and magic and, um, you know, beautiful things can happen from that space. So, so yeah. I love it. I love it. It's in its access. It, it's something that we all have access to. It's not held behind a barrier of like $10,000 per visit or, you know, there's this beautiful thing that we all possess if we have the, the, openness to accept it on some level you know and when i think about the story on some level it makes me think that maybe the people we love and care about the most are the people that have already died in some ways you know and like that that's 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 very difficult if you love someone who is the closest person to you to see that part of them that has died and is like kind of is uncomfortable because they see it alive in you. You know what I mean? On some level, it's like, oh, that's, how are you going to deny your child that? Or how do you talk to your mom or your father who you've seen has already severed that connection and have found ways to make it okay? Like that's super sad to me to, to see people that have found that connection. And I, I it's a beautiful story. I'm, th- I'm super thankful that you told it to me. I'm going to be thinking about it for quite some time. Thank you for sharing that with me. I, uh, Rachel, I, I'm fascinated by by sound. I'm fascinated by what you do. And I, I'm fascinated and thankful that people are out there doing what you do. And I really see the future of of what you're doing as something really beautiful and open and, and helpful to not only the people in your community, but to the people of the world. And it's it's wonderful. And I before I let you go though, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? What are you excited about? Um, well, I'm uh, I'm based in uh, out of Denver, Colorado. So um, I do, uh, right now I'm doing mostly house calls. Um, I do have a space that um, I'm going to be seeing people for individual sessions, whether it's a, I do sound massage and sound therapy, which are basically the same, but a sound massage is a little bit more of just like, you know, like a one-time kind of a session. You can get as many as you want or as little as you want. Um, It's a lot, it's a lot more of like a a gentler, kind of a more um, rejuvenating sort of experience. And in sound therapy, I do as a series of sessions with people 
um, to really get down to like the nitty gritty, like, like the root of a problem. Um, so that's usually it's in my sound therapy sessions that I'm bringing in a lot more of the more powerful frequencies in the work that I'm doing. Um, I also do um, every other, you know, out in, in Denver, um, every other week I'm doing Kotomo sound meditations um, in a healing center called Abundant Lifestyle. Um, so you can do, you know, look that up on the internet and you'll see my schedule and you can sign up um, for that. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I do my work with, uh, the Moksha Journeys team as well on retreats here in Colorado, where we're using, um, uh, uh, psilocybin, um, sessions for folks. And I come in and I do, um, sound healing ceremonies as a part of that. Uh, sometimes even like during the actual experience itself or as like an opening or a closing, um, and also for, uh, integration, um, after the, uh, the journey is, is over. Um, I come in and do like a sound therapy integration session with folks. Um, but that's the best way to, if, uh, anybody is interested in experiencing what I do, um, is to come see me in uh, Denver, Colorado. I have a website called, uh, morningstarsoundtherapy.com. And on that website, you'll have all the everything that you need to get in contact with me, whether by phone or by email. And um, yeah, I'm I travel all around the state. Um, on occasion, I'll travel out of state. Um, but yeah, so that's how you can reach me. On your website, can people see? Is there like clips of of you playing playing music? I do. I do have a clip of me um, playing the Kotomo on there. And uh, if you were to go to my website and um, there's a, a, I have a section that's called sound healing. And if you just were to click that at the very top, you'll see a video of uh, me playing the Kotomo. So you could uh, see what it looks like. And you could also have a listen um, to hear those healing frequencies of that instrument. It's fascinating. I'm so stoked to talk to you. I, ladies and gentlemen, do yourself a huge favor. Go check out the website. Go down to the show notes. Um, reach out. Reach out to Rachel if if it's something that you're interested in or you want to learn more about the true power of sound and and what it can mean for you and the people around you. And it was a fascinating conversation, Rachel. And I'm truly thankful for your time. Hang on briefly afterwards. I'm going to speak to you afterwards for a moment. But to all of our friends here listening, thank you so much for hanging out with us. That's all we got, and we'll. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances... I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I 
think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.